this is Joe and TJ with another episode of our One Thing series. Our desire is that our One Thing series truly helps you to lead better and grow faster. Every month on our podcast, we feature a great guest always on the topic of leadership and we blast it out to you from the schoolhouse302.com. Thank you, TJ. Please share this with other leaders you know that are looking and craving to get better. Thank you. Here we are with our guest, Mark Crowley. Thank you for being here, Mark. It is a pleasure to have you on the show. And pleasure to be here. Thank you, gentlemen. No problem. We're thrilled. This month, we're focusing on leading from the heart and really the courage that it requires. We're very excited to have Mark on our podcast. Each month, we feature a great leader who provides key insights into our leadership topic. And we're really intrigued by the idea that employee engagement happens in the heart, not the mind. And TJ and I were inspired by your book, Lead from the Heart and really your work in general and your career. TJ, why don't you tell our audience a bit more about Mark? Sure thing, Joe. Thanks for that. Our guest this month is Mark Crowley. Mark C. Crowley spent over 25 years in the dog-eat-dog world of financial services, an environment known for its heartlessness and take-no-prisoners attitude. Twice, he held national-level responsibilities, most recently as a senior vice president, national sales manager for investment products, at one of America's largest financial institutions, where he was named Leader of the Year. After much success, Mark decided to leave the financial services world and devote himself to fully answering this question. What happens inside of people that makes them fully committed to doing extraordinary work? His research led to the publication of his first book, Lead from the Heart, which we believe has a very powerful message. Recognized globally as a workplace thought leader, Mark is a regular leadership contributor to Fast Company Magazine, and he's published in Seattle Times, The Huffington Post, Routers, CEO Magazine, Great Britain, USA Today, and by the Great Place to Work Institute. He's interviewed CEOs and senior executives at innumerable high-performing companies, including Google, SaaS, Gallup, and Cleveland Clinic, who are models for managing the emotional side of work. And his profound conclusion draws on new scientific research, which shows that the human heart is a source of remarkable intelligence. What people feel in their hearts has tremendous influence over their motivation and performance in the workplace. He says that the heart is the driving force of human achievement. So, okay, Mark, let's talk about this idea of leading from the heart. You write that the decision to be engaged is made in the workers' hearts, not their minds. And consequently, how leaders and organizations make people feel in their jobs has the greatest impact on their performance by far. Can you tell us more about how leaders can connect with their employees, make them feel valued, give them more meaning, and as a result, create a successful environment that produces results? We want to hear anything that you might say about why this leadership style is effective and why so many leaders don't do it. Okay. I'll start by saying that one of the first things we have to realize is that the way we currently manage isn't working. So it has to change. However, um, what we tend to do is to manage with fear and intimidation. We oppress people in the belief that this is what's going to drive the greatest level of productivity. Uh, and you can see across the world, it's failing miserably. 
people are not happy in their jobs. You have rampant turnover now, which hopefully we'll get to. But the greater I issue is that engagement is just at a standstill and remarkably low, like ridiculously low. Only 30, 31, 32 percent of people in America and substantially less outside of America are fully engaged. So you look at that as a leadership report card and it's an F. And yet we don't really have an inclination to change because we think, well, you know, we're not hitting our goals. We'll just put fear into people that something bad's going to happen to them if they don't hit the numbers or hit their goals or what have you. And that repeatedly works for a lot of people. We don't realize it does so much harm. So at the very beginning, I think it was Joe who said that you, know, you have to have courage to lead with the heart, which is absolutely true. Because, you know, I remember telling this, this describing my whole methodology to one of the largest insurance companies in the United States, and their national sales manager said, this is brilliant what you're talking about. If I get midway through my quarter and I'm not hitting my numbers, so this is just an example of somebody who's really unwilling to change. And if you're not open to leading a different you just continue to stay in the old ways, which many people continue to do. But here's here's the reason why you might want to consider changing is because our fundamental beliefs about how we mo motivate human beings has always been based on rational approaches. It's always based on, hey, if you do this, we might give you a raise. If you do this, you might get a promotion. If you do this, you might get some recognition. Or worse, you know, if you do this, our shareholders are going to benefit or our customers are going to be happy. It's always been this appeal pet. But we know that feelings and emotions are what drive human behavior, what, what really truly drives human behavior, what we care about, what we commit ourselves to. So if you're making all these appeals, mentally, and you're not addressing how your own people are feeling in response to what you're asking them to do, if it doesn't make them feel, if it doesn't make them supported, if it doesn't make them feel encouraged, excited, any of those feelings, if they don't have them, they're not going to support you in what you're asking them to do. You're, you're really talking to the sky when it comes down to it. So the essence of what I'm saying is, is that if you make people feel valued, if you make them feel supported, if you make them feel cared for and even nurtured, which historically have always sound like really weak approaches to management, uh, what I found improved not, not just scientifically, but through my own experience and direct experience of managing people for 25 years, is that the more you care about people, the better response you're going to get simply because you're getting positive emotions and positive feelings that make them want to commit themselves to work. Mark, it's astounding because you're absolutely right. Uh, you just kind of hit it right on the nail on the head there on the end when you say that it was viewed as a weak approach. And I know that many leaders feel like this uh, makes them also more vulnerable because we're getting into the relationship side of leadership. But you're right in the sense that, you know, people aren't going to work for you and they're not going to push hard um, if you don't have a connection. Can you speak to some of that willingness to be vulnerable and the willingness of building those, you know, professional relationships to drive overall achievement? Well, you know, it's interesting because I, I, I do think, unfortunately, that we have a lot of people in management roles that really don't like people. 
And uh, I know that sounds rather blunt, but it's true. They don't like people in the sense that they really care about them, that they care about how they feel, how they're influenced by the decisions that the company makes and what it does in terms of a ripple in terms of their lives and their own hopes and dreams, even their families. So um, I really kind of believe that going forward, that organizations, by the way, prior to, you know, us going live here, we were talking a little bit about your audience and, you know, education, people that are running schools at any level, if you don't have an instinct to truly care about the teachers and about everybody that works at that school, and even obviously the, the children themselves, which I think is probably a low bar for most teachers, most teachers probably have that. But when you get into administration, you've got to really love the people that are working for you and doing that for you. And we just know that there are some people that just don't have that in them. They don't have that caring gene, if you will. But to answer your question directly, I think it, you know, what I'm here to do is say, like, I'm a guy, I'm a man. So when I talk about the heart, you can go, okay, so it's, it, you know, we, we tend to have this bias that only, you know, a woman might say something about the heart because they're loving people. And men, we go out there and we compete and we do battle at work and that's not our style. And really what the evidence repeatedly shows is that a greater balance between the male and the feminine aspect. And even that sounds weak, but it's not weak. It's just what human beings need. That's what the essence of this is, is that every human being will thrive if you give them your attention, if you give them their, your support, if you find out what their dreams of work are and help them achieve them, if you make them feel safe. You know, you don't let them go home at the end of the weekend worrying about where they stand with you. If they're doing great, tell them they're doing great. No harm in this. And I think what people, if they take the leap and they try to do this, what they're going to see is just like, people are so desperate for this that the response is going to be immediate. And they'll be, you know, they'll be going back to work saying, that guy was absolutely right. And I wish I'd started this earlier. So it does take courage because we traditionally believed that it was really soft management. But we were wrong. I mean, simply the science just proves we're wrong. The more we care, now obviously you've got to run the business, you've got to hold people accountable, you've got to set goals, and you've got to make sure people have them. And if they don't meet them, you've got to have coaching sessions and help people get there. And maybe that means some people don't stay. That's okay. But it can't be all mind all the time. It has to be how am I impacting people? How am I impacting people in a positive way? Because it's the positivity engages people and gets them committed to doing whatever it is that you want them to do and to support you as the leader. That's terrific. Thank you, Mark. I know our listeners will definitely benefit from that. And I agree many of the listeners that we have on this podcast within the education world that resonates with them. Um, and there is that mentality sometimes that is it soft? Um, but I like what you said. No, it's proven. This is what works. So we're going to transition to our five one thing series leadership questions um, that help people lead better and grow faster. So the first question for that, Mark, is who is one person or group who you follow for either knowledge or inspiration and where could we find them? Harvard School Professor Amy Edmondson. Um, the Google a few years ago did a five-year study trying to determine what it was that made what truly what were the, the characteristics of all high-performing teams, not just like 90%, but they had to have it in every one. And they came up with five elements, and the number one, the one was something called psychological safety. 
And uh, historically, the whole idea of making people feel safe at work was, you know, again, this really soft kind of a thing. But here we are, Harvard Business School of all places. Uh, and Amy Edmondson is the expert at psychological safety, which means give, uh, honor people for who they are, let people speak, let people speak in a safe environment so that the team isn't going, well, that's a stupid idea. Well, that'll never work. Everybody is looking out for one another. You create a team of, of collaborators and people who work well together. These are the teams that excel. So she was on my podcast. I have my own podcast and uh, it's one of the most popular episodes ever because I'm just such a wild enthusiast for you know, this validation from my own work, but also for managers who really want to create a great environment, this is the way to go about it. Very interesting. Psychological safety. As a leader yourself and, and, and your, your storied career is impressive. Just for our listeners, is there one tip, one thing you think about doing to create that psychological safety? Yeah, it's um, a very good question. It really just comes down to letting people know where they stand. That's a big one for me. So um, I, I had no problem going up to people and saying, I don't know where I'd be without you. I'm so pleased with myself that I hired you. I'm so grateful you're on my team. You make incredible contributions. These kinds of things, many managers go, well, as soon as they do that, they're going to ask for a raise. Or they're going to say, well, I'm the star on the team. And I just never really, what I found was people would just, thank you for calling it out. Thank you for seeing that in me. Thank you for seeing what I do for you and how I contribute. That creates enormous psychological safety. So I don't know about you, but every once in a while when you're working in a real, you know, like a, in, a, in a corporate environment or an environment where you have a boss, you wonder, like, does, does he or she think I'm doing a good job? Am I doing all right? Am I in good standing? So I think making sure that people knew so they didn't have to lie awake at night or be thinking about coming to work on a Sunday night thinking, oh, my boss is unhappy with me or something. We're really reluctant to tell people how great they are, and I never had a problem with that. That's awesome. That's perfect. Lots of good tips. We love the sentence stems too there. Um, I think that people need that. They need to know what language to use, especially when they don't have it and it's not instinctful for those that are working on these things and want to know those tips. So thank you for sharing that. And we'll also link to Amy Edmondson um, and also to your podcast as well, the episode with her. Um, our second one thing serious question is what's one thing that people should try to do on a regular basis that might make a difference in their day or life? Thank you, people. This is, this is one of those things where if you go up to every manager and you go, is recognition important? Of course, you can't lead without it. And yet I can tell you, we don't thank people enough. The, all the evidence is really clear. Like a preponderance of evidence shows that like two thirds of U.S. workers say they haven't been acknowledged in the past year for their performance. And managers go, well, you know, they know I like them. They know I'm happy with them. And I'm saying, you, you, unless you just way overdo it, um, thank you, Joe. This has been great. Thank you, TJ. This is wonderful. You're great, TJ. You're, you're over like that. Well, that's stupid. I'm saying <laughs> thank people. At the end of the day, thank you for a great job. Thank you for, you know, for everything you did today. Thank you for what you guys just accomplished. You can't overthink people. And we, we overthink people. I, I, I have this, this image in my mind that managers think that every time they thank somebody, that it's like reaching into their wallet, like it's going to cost them something. <laughs> it doesn't cost anything. What it does is it brings joy to people. It makes them feel like all their effort was worthwhile. 
Yeah, it's powerful. It doesn't cost anything, <clears throat> yet we certainly don't do it enough. I, I would say both professionally and personally. Um, that's a great, great point. Mark, what's one thing you want to know or be able to do that you don't already? I, I wonder about um, all of us. <laughs> Why do we resist change when we know what we're doing currently isn't working? So the alignment to that, obviously, is I, I look at, yeah, somebody said to me recently, there's plenty of evidence of what works in leadership today, you know, and, and leading up to, you know, so much of what I've written about and speak about, that it just gets incredibly more validated every single day. There, all these different people are coming at it from different points of view with research that validates it. And yet, we see such a small movement in the engagement numbers and it's because people resist. And I think just you know, going back to the beginning of this conversation, if you could just demonstrate a little courage, just step out of yourself a little bit and try something new, you'll be rewarded for it. Instead, we dig our heels in and we just keep passing on the old, you know, tired ways of doing things and we're not making any progress and it just gives me more fodder for Twitter, but it really is frustrating me now. It's like, come on, it's time to change. Really, really, really good point. It's like the definition of insanity, doing things the same way and expecting different results. And yet that's what we do on a regular basis. And we, we beat ourselves up when we don't get different results, but we're really not doing anything new or different. So our, our, Listeners will definitely be inspired by that. And so, and we'll also keep following you on Twitter for those little quips about it. Okay. I will, you know, I'll add that, you know, a lot of times we see these stats, we read them, uh, even on Twitter, you know, you go, oh, well, engagement is just 30% in America. And you go, oh, there, but for the grace of God, go I. That's somebody else's problem. And we don't necessarily get in. I wonder if that applies to me. More often we go, that probably doesn't, which gives us permission to not change. So when you see these stats and you see that people are unhappy at work and you see high turnover, these are signs that something's not working where you are. And the more we do the internal diagnostic, um, am I leading well? Am I managing well? Are people happy doing what I ask them to do? These are all signs. And if, if you don't have that positivity, it's, it's, it's an indication you need to change. That's okay. Yeah, it's a major point. Maybe all of that resistance to change is actually a lack of self-awareness and not really resistant to change, but just an unaware of the self and the organization in which we work that these statistics apply to us. So, and that also leads us to our next question, which is what's one thing that led or continues to support your growth as a leader that others can replicate? I mean, it really fits into what we're doing about which is you know my, my mantra by the way to the point you just made is know thyself so the more you can dig into how you grew up what your parental influences were we i truly believe and this may you know some people will scratch their head when they hear this but i really believe that most of us are operating out of our childhood selves we're we're instinctively responding to stimulus that we experienced early on in our lives and we're not aware of it it drives a lot of our behavior and the more you can dig in to say, what was my what was my father's influence? What was my mother's influence? And how did that shape me? And how much of this do I want to hold on to, you know, positively and negatively? Which what are the ones that we want to keep on going with so that you truly understand yourself? Because from there, 
then it becomes asking people for feedback, like asking people, how can I be better? And they go, oh, you're wonderful, Mark. So you want to ask them, tell me something that I'm doing really well, which sets you up as one thing I'm not doing well. And they say, well, you're doing wonderful. You're, you're incredible. And I go, no, no, no. You just gave me something that I'm really doing well. So tell me something that I can improve upon. And then you get a punch in the stomach. And it's like, so, gee, you go, hey, you, a minute ago, you didn't have anything, now you gave me that. And so if you can get an understanding of what those things are comprehensively from all of your people, if I can just give me one thing that I might want to work on, it's going to guide you in a way to become a better manager. So um, you have to take the feedback to heart, no pun intended. You know, you, you can't ask people for how can I do better and then keep doing it. Otherwise, they're going to resent you. You know, and they're never going to give you the feedback. You're going to have to take action on it. But taking action on it's in your best interest because they will make you better manager. Ask for feedback. Yeah, that's a powerful point. It is humbling as well. If you can work within an environment and close enough with people that are willing to give you that feedback, Mark, I agree 100%. I, I was reading um, the book, What Got You Here Won't Get You There. <clears throat> TJ and I talked about this as well. I asked my family, you know, what are things I could do better as a father and as a husband? And to a T, they all said at first, I'm not comfortable doing this. Um, and then when I reassured them, listen, this is, I'm trying to get better as a dad. I'm trying to get better as a, this is a genuine request. I truly want to know. Um, they, they didn't hold back and I had to be ready. And one of the stipulations in the book is you're not allowed to respond negatively or adversely to the feedback, um, which is a little tough, but it was interesting to hear from my 16 year old son's viewpoint, something I could do better at. Um, and it's just, it's great if you can get that feedback. Well, I, you know, but your 16 year olds can have a different point of view than your wife. Right. Or, and it's not like I'm going to do a sample of asking three people who I know are totally engaged and happy. How am I doing? Because there are people that are on your team that you need to tap into too. Right. So, um, and it is, it's a painful experience. And I would, and honestly, I consider myself through the course of my career being a really good, thoughtful, caring guy. Right. And, and yet when you ask people, can you give me one thing? The one thing sometimes were like it hurt me to hear them like oh I like that's the last thing I want you to think of right but if you can if you can say oh I did that only once or you know you defend yourself the minute you start defending yourself that's Marshall Goldsmith you know in, in that yeah program, you know he's you know you just go thank you I'm gonna I'm gonna noodle this you know and like you know I I remember asking somebody once and he goes you don't come out and see me enough you you know I manage a lot of remote people and he goes. I want you, how come you don't come see me? It was like, he felt neglected. That's what it was about. So I go, well, I can fix that. But if you don't know what's causing the pain, you're not going to solve it and you're just going to sustain the pain. And this is true of any relationship. So you're smart to ask your son how you can be better. Better, better than he's 35 years old and comes back and says, you know, here are the things you did that ruined my life. Right. You know, better, or better to learn them, right? You know. Yeah. And it's amazing what you hear from them. So let's, our final question, what's one thing that you used to think that you don't think anymore? Um, so, so we won't get into this, but I, what I will say the process of writing my book 
I discovered some like literally groundbreaking research that shows that the heart is a feeling sensing organ that has huge influence over our decisions, our choices, our motivations. And so, you know, early on you said, well, how could this, how can it be that engagement is just the heart is making the decision? Feeling is translating into the thought, which is if I'm feeling good, I'm going to do good work because I want to support my boss. He or she is doing great things for me. I'm feeling that I want to reciprocate. That's a thought, right? So that's the that's the foundational idea. So when I had this, and no no one has ever expressed this before and put these pieces together and gone into cardiology to connect the leadership. And when I came out with this, I thought man, they're going to be CEOs who are going to radically change their organizations in response to it. And it didn't happen. And I was surprised and then had to unpack it, and uh, which is a term I can't stand, but I just used it. And in any event, <laughs> what I realized, CEOs aren't going to change their organs out of mobility. They're not going to do it because it's the right thing to do. And this may sound cynical, but I'm okay with this. They're going to do it because they need to. So what's happened is that the book came out while we were still in the recession. And so there were more people applying for jobs than there were people than there were jobs. And so these companies had, you know, so many people applying for jobs. They didn't need to worry about how they were treating their people. They could just keep doing what they were doing, right? Well, ultimately, you have, um, you know, now over a million people. And so now, high turnover, it's like two and a half to three percent of the population is turning over every month, it's record levels of, of turnover. Companies are looking at this and they're like, hey, we got to fix something around here or we're going to keep losing all of our people. So now they're taking a deep look at this. You know, the idea of leading part is nowhere near the weak, soft idea it was two or three years ago. Now all of a sudden people are like, yeah, I get that. We might want to do this. And so... I really kind of thought that they would jump all over it because it was informed and it was the right thing to do. Now it's really happening because they're being forced into it and hopefully forced into it in the right way. Cause you can't fake this. You can't fake authenticity. You can't fake caring about people. We can all feel the insincerity of that. But if people do it the right way and they say, we are going to create a culture where people feel really connected and, and supported, that's going to take, years it's not going to take months. it's going to take a long-term commitment and uh but get on the road now but i guess i was hoping that they would do it for the right reason and they're doing it for what is the right reason but is the wrong reason from my point of view well and that's interesting too because it fairly well proves the point that they needed to lead from the heart in the first place uh, it's amazing what science and technology and data can do um, that just doesn't change anything and convince people to do something that uh, they need to, to grasp emotionally um, first. So it's just an interesting irony around how uh, those two things can be connected. I think you, I think you really made a great point though. It, it is an emotional thing. You have to kind of get there on your own. So, uh, you know, just to, just to open up the kimono here, when I started to realize that, you know, that, that CEOs weren't jumping all over this, I, I just had an epiphany that, you know, you know the way that I was going to be successful was to do the drip. So I started writing articles about this and looking for ways to share this message and insight in one article at a time. 
in hopes that people would start to go, hey, like this guy isn't the nut he seems like, you know, like, wait a minute, this, this information sort of makes sense. So you can kind of come to it on your own terms. And then honestly, I started my podcast a year ago so that people could actually hear my voice and go, oh, he's not, he's not like the softy I thought he would be or the spiritualist or the religious guy or whatever fantasy people had about. It's simply balancing mind and heart, making sure that you care about people, value people, make people feel, think about how they're feeling at any given time and give them what they need in that moment while you're still running your business or school or whatever it is. It's fantastic. Um, lots of nuggets here for our listeners, which is our key. Leadership might be complex, but it doesn't have to be complicated. Something that Joe and I always say. Mark, is there anything else that you would like to add for t- today for our listeners? Just try this. I think a lot of times people hear this and they go, thank God somebody's telling me I have permission to do this because there's always been this pressure that you're going to, uh, you know, if you're going to lead this way, you're going to look like an out, you know, outlier and people are going to judge you. And I'll tell you a quick story. I, when, um, you know, so here I am working in financial services and, you know, I've got stockbrokers all over the United States working for me and, we just had this phenomenal year before I left and then I leave and I go and I take a couple of years to the whole time from starting the book, you know, researching it, writing it and getting it out published was two years. So the book came out and I honestly think that there were people that used to work with me were like, Oh, like what happened to him? Like, you know, he was gone for two years. Like, did he have like a spiritual transformation? Like leap from the heart? Like what's that? And they didn't realize that I'd been managing the way my whole career. No one ever looked under the hood. They just said, oh, the guys always gets great results. That's all they cared about. No one ever looked at what I was doing. And no one ever really cared about what I was doing. They're just like, whatever it is, people want to work for him. He's getting great results. And that's all we need to know. So it was like a flow chart. You just keep going. So I think people had a surprise. Like, really? That's what he was doing? I'm, I'm sort of funny, but... Now we're getting a little bit more comfortable with it, but you know, I was really surprised by how people looked at that and really didn't even see that that's what I've been doing all along. So most people aren't gonna pay attention. Just trust me, do it, try it with your teams. Um, the more you care, the better you're gonna be as a leader. That's my, that's my experience. And there you have it. It's the secret sauce, Mark. That's the people don't see the ingredients, but they know that it has a great taste. And so, We are now giving our listeners permission uh, to lead with the heart. Another great podcast. Don't forget to follow our blog at theschoolhouse32.com for blog posts, podcasts, and video blogs all on the topic of leadership. And we hope you enjoyed our One Thing series on how leaders can be successful and still lead from their hearts with Mark Crowley. Thanks for being being with us today, Mark. Thank you so much, Joe and TJ. Appreciate it very much. 